fan of just content marketing. Um, when I was building my real estate company, we did it. We went from 7 million of sales in year one to 21 million in year two through organic Facebook marketing. I didn't increase our budget whatsoever. I knew there was a value add in, in just, like sales coaches would say, you have to make 10 calls a day. And in my mind, I was like, that's very inefficient. I was like, I could make one video for an hour and reach a thousand people. If I make one phone call in an hour, I'm reaching one person. If I'm knocking on one door, I'm reaching one person. Like I get the fact that it's better like one-on-one -on -one engagement, but in my mind, I, was, I just thought that if I could reach a thousand people on a regular basis, that would generate way more business than these single off phone calls. And with Facebook, it was free. What's up, family? Welcome back to the Real Value Exchange. You just heard a quick clip from Skylar Irvine. Man, I met up with him out in Phoenix when I was meeting, in between meeting up with some clients. And man, uh, he's a heavy hitter. He knows his stuff when it comes to digital marketing. And he has his own in-house podcast production studio. So we had a lot of fun talking. I want to jump right into this episode. So sit back, enjoy it with the owner of Rensler Media, Skylar Irvine. Really? Because I was looking at doing podcasting. I was like, all right, I got to learn more about podcasting. So where's the first place that you go? YouTube. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so, man, um, I was I, I was bouncing around. Like, all right, who's talking about doing podcasting? And, and what's the business behind podcasts? I didn't understand much about it. And um, I was on Anchor for like a year, sounding horrible, man. I mean, my first Anchor episodes, pure garbage. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're PG, man. And um, anyway, I came across your video with how you were talking about last year, like I want to say last November or something, you were talking about launching your actual podcasting company. And so I was like, okay, he actually, he's just going to dive in and actually do it. And literally on the actual subject, I think there were no more than maybe three or four videos on YouTube talking about podcasting companies. So I was like, all right, eventually I'm going to run into this guy because I travel all the time. So eventually I'll be, I'll be out there like in Phoenix. Yeah. And uh, I was going to hit you up, man. And then I, I've been following you. Just on Instagram, just checking in here and there, just kind of seeing what, just kind of seeing what you're up to. Notice that you went past um, New York, met up with um, Gary V, went through the whole 4D episode. Yeah. And so, man, I, I am pumped to have Skylar Irvine on the Real Value Exchange. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. That was an awesome intro, and I'm happy to be a part of this. And that was uh, very cool to hear that story. <laughs> hey, hey, man. You know what, man? Um, I'm just always trying to find people that are up to different things. And that are trying to push the actual limits a little bit and, and trying to do business a little bit different. Because mm -hmm. I think um, it's so easy to kind of be cookie cutter. Yeah. And um, just kind of hearing a little bit about your story. Well, matter of fact, let's kind of dive into it, man. Um, How did you kind of get to be, you know, this marketing guy who has a dope office laid out here like in Phoenix, though, man? What was your first entrepreneurial, you know, type of venture, I guess? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question because I feel like I've been entrepreneurial forever. There's like... There was a time before entrepreneur like was a cool thing to be. <laughs> yeah. um, it was more of like something that was like kind of like not celebrated, sort of looked down upon. Um, when I kept, I when I got fired from my first job and was just like, you know what, like I did. And you were doing what though? I was hired to be a marketing, uh, okay, uh, marketing like assistant for a big environmental consulting firm. Nice, big corporate thing. It was just one of those things where it just it really didn't mesh it ended up like it wasn't what it was cracked up to be and i had this like kind of like epiphany where i did everything i thought i was supposed to do mm -hmm. to please the people that i thought that i needed to please and i ended up in this job that i really didn't like 
And when I got laid off during the recession, there was like three rounds of recessions mm. or three rounds of layoffs. I survived them. The fourth round, I got laid off. Wow. It was just like, you know what? I did everything I thought I was supposed to do, and I still failed. So if I was going to fail again, it's like, well, I'd rather just try this other stuff I've been wanting to do forever. Even if it doesn't work out, like I still ended up in the same spot. Like what's the worst that could really happen? Mm -hmm. So I kind of like moved back home, moved in with my parents, my tail between my legs and had some <laughs> savings. And um, how old were you at the time? How, was that? How old were you? I was 24, okay. 25. So it's a couple years after college. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just right in the middle of this recession. And I was reading uh, all these books on real estate, all these books on like Robert Kiyosaki mm -hmm. wrote a couple of them. And he essentially started buying these properties in 1987 during this housing crisis. I'm looking around. I'm like, I'm in a housing crisis. Uh, I start reading about more about it. He was doing it in Phoenix and Arizona. I was like, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> so to me, it was like this was happening for me. So I started taking the like invest a lot of money into like these classes, learn how to fit, uh, flip houses mm -hmm. and got to this point where it's like, you know what, if I don't do this. I'm never going to do this. Um, I heard all these people who knew so much more about it than I did, but they still hadn't done it yet. And so I was like, you know, what? I'm just, I, I learned by doing, I might end up as a failure, but what's worse going to happen? I'm already living at home with my parents. Like wh like that's what, that's where I'm at. I've sure. already done this. And it got to that point where you make that first dollar doing something, not working for a person. And to me, it was like, oh, it, I went from reading it in a book where I was like, that sounds cool to getting that first like chunk of change where it wasn't from a paycheck. It was from like value I created. Wow. And it was just like, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm hooked. I'm all in on this. Man, you know what? So there has to be something interesting that really happens because I had a, I had a very similar type of like heartbreaking loss around that same time period. A lot of people did it now that I'm looking back on it. Hindsight, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but, but whenever you kind of take that, loss when you're like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing and it still doesn't work out it kind of after you kind of get up rid of all that actual scars and if you can bounce back I mean man you will emerge so much stronger though man yeah and for me it was more of like I wasn't doing it for the right reasons I was ah. trying to please a lot of I was trying to fit into this box I didn't fit into sure and when I realized that my biggest fear was like disappointing my parents it made me kind of reevaluate like, well, maybe that has more to do with my relationship with my parents or, or how I'm, maybe I'm not communicating myself well enough. Cause if I think that me going after something I love will disappoint my parents, like that's a me problem. Yeah. Um, and it was that, that epiphany of like, yeah, coming out of that, I look back at that time as like the best thing that ever happened to me because I was working at a job that I hated. Uh, the person that hired me left two weeks later. Wow. So all of a sudden I had like five bosses that I just inherited. And I, I remember like having these like moments where I was like, if I wanted to quit, do I have to go into each boss and quit? Or can I quit to one? And like, <laughs> would they just tell the other ones? Yeah, like, yeah. how did, how would that work? And then when I got laid off, it was one of those moments where I was like really pissed and upset, even though I got what I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you saw that movie Up in the Air with yeah, George Clooney. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's, That's how I, one. they brought in a corporation to lay people off. Like that happened to That's us. That's a tough job too though, man. I couldn't imagine that job. That's yeah. a brutal job. Yeah. I mean, like you literally go from city to city laying people off all day. It's a weird thing to be good at. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's very good at something. You should double down on your strengths, but like power to you if your strength and you found a way to like leverage it so you could fire more people over and over again. But uh, that'd be a tough one for me to do for sure. That is tough, man. I mean, I mean, man, so, you, I mean, uh, you have um, 
How many kids, though? Is it two? Two kids, one more on the way. Okay. Has that kind of... Oh, wow. Yeah. One more on the way. That's what I'm talking about, bro. Yeah. Thank you. Good stuff, man. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So, man, um, you know, has that changed how you go about parenting a little bit? It's changed everything. Really? I mean, there's a, when I was 24, it was like, it was really easy to kind of like risk it all on a big venture. Sure. Um, now we've got, there's a lot, it, it's definitely different. And that's why when I hear things about like, here's something every entrepreneur, like the five things every entrepreneur needs to know. And it's right. like, you know what? That stuff never works because everyone's coming from a different place. And I've literally come from like creating a business, growing it into a viable company. And then right now you're catching me in the middle of this where I walked away from that company. I started a brand new company. I'm starting completely over at the bottom. Um, I have no brand recognition in like this space. It's business to business sales instead of business to consumer sales. So I'm basically just like completely at the bottom. And now this time around, I don't have the ability to just kind of like do high risk stuff. So I've been very humbled in it and it's been a fun journey to, to go through this. Um, and you're catching me in year two. And I said a lot of things in year one. I said, Hey, this is working. I see value in this. Um, I can't physically get anyone to do a podcast, even though I know it's valuable to them. I can't convince them. They want to know the ROI. They want to know this was a year ago. Okay. Okay. And that's when I said, well, you know what, then I'm going to start my own podcast Mm -hmm. and we're going to document every single thing. And you're going to watch how bad episode one is but i promised by episode 50 it'll be a little bit better and i knew that i just thought it was going to take a year to get to episode 50 it took a few months like we took off pretty quickly where we were just doing it at scale you guys were hammering out what at least three to five a week i I got to we got to a point where i i just was pushing the limits pushing the limits like let's see how far like let's get better let's push it harder i love that yeah and then I realized that when we were doing too many, it wasn't fair to the guests we were bringing on because mm-hmm. what I really wanted to do was provide as much value as I could to the, to the guest. Mm-hmm. And we did that by you coming on. We're going to put out the audio podcast, the video podcast, those video shorts, photos. We're going to promote the hell out of you. So that way you are you you feel like you owe me. I don't want you to owe me, but I want you to walk away feeling like. Isn't that always the goal? It is 100%, because yeah. I don't want you to think like you're doing me a favor to come on my show. Right. I don't want you to walk away and be like, okay, like you're welcome. I just wanted to. Be, I would be like, if, if you, if yeah. the second we finish recording, if you're like, hey, you should have my friend, blah blah blah, on because he would just have so much fun with you. That's when I know that I did a good job because you're referring another person to me. Right. So when we were doing five of them in a week, it wasn't fair because we weren't having enough time to actually promote each person. Mm-hmm. So once I, by the time we did five a week, you really work out a lot of like the systems because you're like. All, everything's going wrong all the time. Sure. So then we went back to like one a week, two a week. It was very easy for us. Yeah. Um, and it allowed us to promote everyone we we're having on for at least a full week. And that's what we learned through that process. Man, you know what? So having on different guests, to me, you know, it's it's that whole model of like guesting, right? I mean, now if it's in your business, this is not you know, more so what I do full time. But guesting, if this is a part of your business, man, it's a great way to dive right into your client's mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just open it up. You know, let's talk about just who you are as a person and, and kind of learn so much about them. Just to even see if you guys should be doing business or not, you know, motivations and everything else behind it. Were you able to kind of get some of that? Not only that, but yeah. I and this is funny, too, because it's like if you follow me, you'd had to have seen this content before. But mm-hmm. I often put out like. It's really hard to say yes when people say, hey, I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee so I can pick your brain for an hour. Right. Because I've run multiple businesses. I've got two kids, another one on the way. It's like every hour that I'm not working, I want to spend with my family. 100%. So no offense, but you're asking me to give up an hour of my family to Mm – 
have a cup of coffee with a stranger. Mm-hmm. And that I understand that because I used to want to do that as well. If you flip that around and you have this platform and instead you reach out to someone and say, hey, I've been following you along. I, I love what you're doing. I have this podcast. I'd love to have you on my show so I could feature you, yep. help promote you, help you reach new clients and, and expand your business. Everyone says yes to that. So you create this platform for yourself and all of a sudden you can get in front of almost anyone you want to get in front of. It's and crazy. you have this kind of like platform to utilize where it used to be this cup of coffee, but now it's the podcast. And I don't think people understand that you can get super successful without mm-hmm. having a podcast that has a thousand subscribers. You just need a, the right people to be listening to it and it can do so much for your business. Man, you, man, you know what? So, all right, this is this is perfect because I mean, that's honestly that that's what I, that's what I'm up to. Like, mm-hmm. that's how we linked up and everything. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, like honestly, it wasn't that I was, you know, you aren't gonna buy any of my products as you know because you aren't a licensed like MD or anything, right? Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where it's like I wanted to network with people. I wanted to build up my actual network. I wanted to see what other people what were actually doing. And I was like, well, what can I do for them? And that's literally how I came at it. I'm like, yeah. well, I like podcasting because I can have a conversation. This is the same convo I would have at Starbucks, except nobody would just know about it. Mm-hmm. We would have it. But at Starbucks, you have to have that like 10 minutes of small talk first. Yeah. This is like, let's just get right into it. Yeah. That's like perfect for like an ADD 100%. millennial like myself. I just like, yeah, let's get right to the meat the bones. Me- man, I love that, man. So you know what? For medium and like small size businesses that are thinking about podcasting, what do you think some of the biggest hurdles are for them? I mean, what the number one hurdle is people worrying about what equipment to buy. And and <laughs> yeah. this is the thing and I tell everyone. I just yeah. spoke at a conference about it too and it's like, listen, I know I know every uh it was uh, um uh, it was called Awesome. It stood for um, like Association of Women in Sports Media. Dope. Um and it was just like I know everyone gets so caught up on the equipment to use. And my number one thing is like go back and watch my first episode. Like the equipment will only get in your way. And we kind of ran into that a little bit now. It's yeah, like yeah. it's like you want to make it as easy as possible for you to sit down and record. So if it's using the Anchor app, do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. If you do 30 of them and you're like, this is really turning into something, then you buy the piece of equipment that might make it a little bit better. Right. But if you're buying that piece of equipment or you're waiting to buy, you're trying to figure it out, well, now all of a sudden you have to learn an entirely new thing that you're uncomfortable with while also trying to learn another new thing, which is podcasting. Because... I have conversations with people all the time. The first time I hit record on a podcast, the conversation was much different. You have to get used to that. You have to develop it. You have to get uh, comfortable with it. Yeah. When you're trying to do that and something else, it's just one more thing that will prevent you from like continuously doing more and more episodes. So when it comes to like the equipment, it's just use your phone if that works. If you have a recorder, use that. If you have a, a person who's an audio engineer, awesome, do that. But you can have the best audio and it still doesn't make your podcast better. Right. And I think the number one thing I would just urge people is focus on what type of content you want to make. And the, the, the top priority needs to be setting yourself up to make it as easy as possible to succeed mm-hmm. on a weekly basis, minimum weekly basis. Mm-hmm. The podcast is just this type of platform that you have to put out at least once a week. At least, right? At least once yeah. a week. And if you've got... If it's dependent on a guest coming in, well, can you film a show if they don't show up? Um, if they're a terrible interview, are you going to put it out? Or can you put out a backup program? Like, Do you have these checks and balances in place to where can you just consistently put it out once a week as easy as possible? And then from there, once you build that habit, then you start adding new things to it. Sure. And if you look at – I mean, I'll show you our studio because I don't think we walked through it. Yeah, but like, I check it out what more. our show looks like now – only because of how bad our first show was. 
I even told Hoff, like, this is in our episode, but I, was, I said, hey, we're going to start a podcast on Monday. I ordered this equipment. We're going to do it. The equipment didn't show up on Monday, so he thought we were going to record on Tuesday. I said, no, I said we were going to do it on Monday, so we did it with, like, a phone and some other stuff we had. Really? The audio What's wasn't even working. What's he by the way, man? Because so I plugged in I the microphone. the very first episode. It sounded a little rough, obviously. I plugged in the microphone to, like, the computer... And it wasn't even recording off the microphone. It was just like <laughs> using the audio from the computer, which you didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, it was That's rough. Hilarious. It would be to Facebook Live. Everything about it was a disaster. I mean, man, but you know what? It adds so much texture. Just write to your actual story, though, right? I mean, because you're obviously showing your clients, employees, everyone around you guys that it doesn't matter. If we said that we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And so, therefore, we're going to press play just right where we are, you know, yeah. instead of making up reasons why we shouldn't get into it. Yeah. And, excuses. That, and the other thing too, is it shows that like, listen, I know what you're going through. Cause yeah. like, I did it. Like, I know, oh, that's like, really cool, I yeah. know these things ahead of time. Like Intimate, I, yeah. I get it. Cause I, I've done it myself. Love that dude, man. So, um, I mean, if we, if you think about people trying to find the voice, cause I think that's what, that's one of the biggest struggles I had. I mean, I was on anchor app for about a year and then I was like, all right, I'm going to transfer over to my own, you know, pretty much doing everything right through my own different type of platform because Anchor had all the, you know. They keep all the data, right? All the control, yeah. everything's there. You know what I mean? I had no stats, really. And so anyway, um, long story short, but I was on Anchor just babbling, <laughs> you yeah. know? I mean, how would you recommend people kind of go about trying to find their actual voice and kind of have that right cadence when it comes to podcasting? Um, it's tough. I, for me, I, like I told you, like, my whole life, I've always learned by doing. Yeah. Um, and I know that the busier you get, it's harder to continue to do things. So when I think about trying to do something, I have to do it at the, the lowest possible quality to start because I think, could I do this once a week, even if I had to show up sick and hungover yeah. and not wanting to be there? Could I still do it? And then if you can do it at that level, well, then you can do it at any level in my mind. So it was setting myself up for like, how can I do this to where I can, I know I can continue it for a week. And one of those things was like, make sure you're talking about something you're very passionate about yeah. or else it's really going to feel like homework. And if it's, if you're self-producing it and you're talking about something that you lose interest in, or it feels like work, it's just, it shows it. it yeah. It gets in your head of like, do I even want to like go to this thing? Cause then I'm going to have to talk about this thing and then I'm gonna have to record it and then edit it and then push it out. And it just gets harder and harder. And all those steps make it less likely that you're continue to do those things. Mm -hmm. So for me, when it was, sitting down and talking to people, okay, I don't know what this is going to be. I don't want to give my name, like the show a name and then change my mind or whatever. So it was just mm -hmm. the Skylar Irvine show. And I never really mentioned what it was specifically going to like be about. It's not really in the title or anything. Right. But when I ask people like, what do you think of the show? They tell me exactly what my vision of, of the show was, which is, yeah, which is fine. just talking to people about something they're passionate about and how to monetize it or how to improve their business. Um, whether it's a professional who needs to help with social media, I can bring up the social media stuff, whether it's a social media influencer that doesn't have business experience, mm -hmm. I can talk about the business stuff. I know enough about a lot of these areas that when I sit down and talk with someone, I can, I'm, I'm physically trying to get information out of them that I'm interested in. Right. So that way it's fun for me. Mm -hmm. and, and other people like, you know how you can just hear the same thing over and over again. And then one day you just hear it a certain way at a certain time. And it's just like, whoa, that, that hit me. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times it sounds like I might be repeating myself, but when you talk to like a realtor about how to brand their business, a lender might hear that and still be like, oh, that's cool. Then we talk to a lender about how to brand their business. That other lender that's listening is like, I can use that. Even yep. though it's the same stuff, it's just you hear it like specifically to you. And I think it has a huge impact. 100%, man. I mean, and really having that timing of your message, 
it just it, it can hit anybody at different moments. And so it's cool that you guys are always popping out different content. What's your favorite show, man, that you did so far? Do you um, have one? I don't know. I, it, it's I'm one of those people that like I would like it sounds cheesy, but like my next one, oh, I just okay. love whatever the it's next dope. one's gonna be. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, it's just so fun to to utilize this as a way to be like I can't believe this is this is marketing or it's gotten to this point where it it this helps generate so many opportunities and so many like um, sales and leads and getting in front of people I never would have gotten in front of before. And then to have it also be fun mm -hmm. is a very cool thing. I used to work in a cubicle that I hated and it was work. Yeah. Now I'm doing something that's fun and it's generating way more revenue and awareness than, than the stuff that was boring. So to be able to do something you like and it is fun to have it also come back and be a positive like revenue source is it's just mind blowing. hundred percent, man. I mean, so, you know, what's funny, this is primarily a sales and marketing podcast for the most part. That's people that really listen to this. And so you were doing B2C originally, and then you flipped to B2B mm -hmm. sales, right? How was that whole transition? Was it easy for you? Was I it mean, smooth? it's still happening, you could say. I okay. mean, um, I, I, as long as I'm in this business, I'm still transitioning into it. Hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's different. I, I, it's humbling in a way where you can build a name for yourself in something and go into something else and have no one everyone looks at you differently because like you've you've built like this credibility and then all of a sudden you're used to having credibility yep. and you walk into a room and you don't have it anymore you can either be upset or you could be like oh wow I, I i i realize now i don't have any credibility anymore so i i need to start a little bit further back than i was expecting it can be very humbling at times extremely right? humbling yeah, like yeah. i thought i was like oh okay this will be great i'll just kind of pivot over here and keep it keep all my momentum going no, I got to start over with this momentum, build it up, um, show long-term credibility versus um, this worked for me over here and now I'm going to do this. People don't really care as much. Sure. Really interesting, man. I mean, I mean, you know what? So a lot of times uh, doing B2B to me seems like it can be a little bit easier because you can really target the right audience and whatnot. And there's only a couple players normally for, for whoever you're, you're really trying to pitch to um, even in even if it's like smaller businesses, medium-sized businesses, you might have ten thousand players in your whole city, which is still manageable to mm -hmm. you know for like most people's email blasts. Let's say, yeah. But how do you go about trying to get your business now? I mean, are you doing email marketing? Or are you reaching out over, you over the phone, inbound only? Or what's so your whole? I, um, I'm a big fan like? of just content marketing. Yeah. Um, when I was building my real estate company, we did it. We went from seven million of sales in year one to 21 million in year two wow. through organic Facebook marketing. I didn't increase our budget whatsoever. I knew there was a value add in and just like sales coaches would say you have to make 10 calls a day. Yeah. And in my mind, I was like, that's very inefficient. Yeah. I was like, I could make one video for an hour and reach a thousand people. If I make one phone call in an hour, I'm reaching one person. If I'm knocking on one door, I'm reaching one person. Like yep. I get the fact that it's better like one-on-one -on -one engagement. But in my mind, I was, I just thought that if I could reach a thousand people on a regular basis, that would generate way more business than these single off phone calls. And with Facebook, it was free. And this was way back in the day before like Facebook business pages even took it off. And when I was starting out my company, it's like we were competing with like the big firms that had big offices and big websites, but they weren't really on Facebook. Wow. So I thought, okay, well, we can just have the biggest one on Facebook. And luckily the world just ate up Facebook the way it did. But yeah. at the time I just did it as a tool to say, okay, well, if we're just the best at Facebook, we can, we're not have to spend money on a website. We don't have to spend money on the office space. And 
that was just kind of like an eye-opening experience where I could take these traditional sales tactics, mm -hmm. but utilize them on Facebook as a way where um, providing value, helping people out. When people asked a question, I answered it. Mm -hmm. And it was the same type of thing you'd ever want to do with traditional marketing, except you could do it at scale and really track it. And I, so I ended up writing a book on Facebook during my process of doing that. I thought, holy crap, Facebook is doing way more than I ever thought. So then I ended up buying a bunch of Facebook stock because I wrote the book, because I switched our real estate business there. So Jeez. that whole process has generated like a lot of like, oh, excuse me, no, um, <laughs> just a lot of just like overall value of just, um, I don't know, going to where the, the, it's not too crowded yet, I mm -hmm. guess. And taking some of these traditional marketing tactics and just bringing them into the new world. Man, you know what? That was a great point that you brought up. I mean, because as salespeople, right, a lot of people spend time on the phone and they just try to make 100 dials a day, and that's if you're killing it. And that's hard-ass work. I mean, that's the, that's like manual labor. <laughs> you yeah, know, like I'm terrible at digging it. ditches. Yeah. I'm the worst of that too, dude. I mean, but I mean, even me going business to business, face to face, right? I'm gonna go meet with one meeting tomorrow, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm and, and what you said about documenting this and just having video content that's shareable, because mm -hmm. now I don't just have to meet with one person at a time. You can it can be shared with his whole network as well, right? His or her network. And I mean, I don't think I've had a meeting with an executive in the last at least six months, it could be longer, I'm gonna say six months, mm -hmm. where they hadn't already seen my videos. That's dope. Man. And usually they're setting them up. And by wow. that point, it's because they've seen me. And when you watch a video of mine, you have a good idea of who I am. If yep. I tried to call you up and leave you a voicemail, if I try to email you, if I try to write a blog, maybe I'd have like a good headline that would catch you and you might click on a link or something, but you're not really gonna get an idea of who I am sure. for like a hundreds of blogs. But with a couple videos, you can see like, oh, I get his personality. So maybe I scare away a lot of people. But the people that stick around and set up meetings, well, then it's not a sales meeting. They're like, they're there to sign. They're there to work with me at that point. Mm -hmm. So I sucked at cold calls. I just didn't want to do it. But if I put a video out that I really was passionate about and it reached people, if they were passionate about that as well, we would connect. And if they'd seen a couple of them, by the time they get in front of me, they already know what I'm about. They already know my pitch. And at that point, I've already done all the selling at that stage. And now it's just, oh, cool. Let's meet. Let's hang out. Let's work together. Man, you know what? So how has that changed the whole conversation? Because, I mean, I've had a little taste of that just by doing a little bit of the content I do. But, man, I mean, how has it changed the conversation when you don't have to show up and pitch and you're like, all right, let's kind of what now? I mean, how's that look after you don't have to kind of have that regular cold call or just trying to door to door, whatever someone's doing out there trying to meet the, I think the hardest thing is trying to explain to people that it would also work for them. Sure. Um, because I don't know if if how you got somewhere you're told doesn't work or you don't need to do it anymore. You really hold on to um, I don't know like what got you to where you are now. So it's hard to tell someone like you could do video too because they say, "Well, I'm not natural on camera." And it's like, "Well, look at my first video." And a lot of there's just this concept that like it's easier for you or you've got all, and it's like, no, like we started with nothing. And now a year later, we've done this. Anyone could do this if you keep doing it. Uh, your first video, you're bad. Your hundredth video, you get a little bit more confident. You do a thousand videos, you're pretty good at it. And now you all of a sudden, you don't worry about public speaking. These are just the, these extra habits that build up that someone might just get in front of the camera or someone might get on a podcast and be nervous and think, okay, that stuff doesn't work for me. I'm not good at it. And it's like, well, no, none of us are. Mm -hmm. We all started at zero listeners. We all started at zero subscribers. And you just learn over time and you just kind of like keep improving for it or keep 
keep getting better and keep pushing the limits and trying new things. And after a hundred episodes, cool, let's add video or let's add a, let's add better audio equipment or, you know what, I'm going to do two guests instead of one guest, or let's do them on location instead of in the office and just continually push the limits. And then like, you'll just create this unexpected opportunity. Dude. Yeah, man. I mean, it is totally one of those things where I think that um, so many of us out there, myself <laughs> included, we're just we're just taking a lot of these old school tactics because that's how we were brought up, you know, and and that's what was kind of forced on our throat. If you were coming up during the early two thousands, late nineties, even right, trying to actually trying to grow businesses, <coughs> and bless you, bro. Excuse me, man. But um, I, I think that what you're doing is it is the way. I mean, that's why I think everybody has to kind of make room to have time and make content because if you don't, then you're left doing what everybody else is doing. So. What, how do you feel about the whole future of like voice right now and like podcasting? Because to me, that seems like that seems like the whole gray space for a lot of companies right now. I mean, <coughs> excuse me, I like no, swallowed no, the water. No, it's fine. all good, bro. It's all good. Uh, you're talking about voice, for instance, I'm losing mine. <laughs> yeah. um, it worked out though. It came back. Man. I think it's. I think people are still underestimating how much everything is going to get commoditized with technology. Yeah. So branding becomes extremely important at that point. Sorry, I can't like get my voice right. No, that's all good, bro. So putting out content, putting out video, putting out photos. Video is the most important because it's just, it's the closest thing to one-on-one engagement as you get. Yeah. And there's a value in the voice stuff because if it's a podcast, you can do it while doing something else. Yep. Media, so like a movement, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense because I can, you can build these habits. I walk the dog, I listen to the podcast. I go to the gym, listen to the podcast. I'm driving to work, I listen to a podcast. Those are good habits to build in. But if you're trying to sell a product on the podcast, there's a lot of steps. So if it's a commercial that I'm listening to on a podcast, you're asking me to pull over on the side of the road, go to your website, <laughs> click a button and download your app or whatever it happens to be. If it's a video that you're watching on your phone or on your computer, it's one click away usually. It's right there. Yeah. But it's harder to get that attention. So you kind of have to look at, okay, what am I trying to – build or what are trying to sell? What is my business? Okay, great. Where's that audience? Where do they spend their time? How old are they? How much money do they have? Do they have iPhones or Android phones? Like that stuff matters. Cause do I put my podcast on iTunes or do I put it on uh, Google play or, or is there, is there something that makes the most sense for me? And with content marketing, it's the only way that you can really brand yourself as an individual or up because when companies like Nike and Adidas and there was a time where there's only like three channels on the television. So whoever had the most money got those commercials and just stayed in business. And as more and more channels were added, it allowed more and more companies to kind of compete in these little niche markets where instead of ABC, CBS, and NBC, now there was Bravo for my wife and ESPN for me. Right. So they didn't show like commercials that they would show on Bravo on ESPN. They showed me ESPN commercials and they showed Bravo. So that started shifting. Well, now we're doing that even more so with Facebook where I can create a piece of content and target the person I wanted to be in front of. And that allows me to just at a very small cost and small scale do that. As we shift a voice, it's going to be really interesting when you do something like, hey, Alexa, like order my new batteries. You don't say order my Duracell batteries. You don't say order my Energizer batteries. You just say order batteries. So Amazon's just going to either sell you their batteries that they're making themselves, or they're going to charge Duracell a lot of money mm -hmm. to be that battery company. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that on a scale like, well, yeah, that's them. That's not going to affect me. But 
how long until it does affect you where if you become commoditized and you don't separate yourself and technology is getting to the point where hiring someone is just as good as the other one so i want to go to the cheapest right. the only thing that will separate yourself is brand and being premium and an offering value whatever it happens to be it's either one-on-one -on -one time or it's either a premium service or um depending on the product or depending on the sales that's going to be a very scary thing because it wasn't too long ago that like taxi cabs were spending two hundred fifty thousand dollars on a on a medallion in New York City, and now those things are going for thirty three thousand dollars, and these taxi drivers are going bankrupt because Uber just changed the game overnight. And someone might be like a loan officer out there and be like, "Well, that's different. You can't replace what I do with technology. This is this is too important." Right. But I, I I don't know at what cost. Like how much how much does technology really need to improve to make it really easy to get your home loan from an app or from like a VC fund or something like we don't know what it could be, but everything could be changed. So if you have the opportunity now to brand yourself and you can do it through content marketing, whether it's podcasting video, writing a blog, um, I think it's just too important to, to ignore for too much longer, man. I mean, and like hands down, you guys have some really good, really good video, like, content out there as well Thank so you. is that your like number one play would you say video yes i would say okay because from video you can get so much out of because i can film my podcast and still put the audio out on on right. audio form right. because if you're already going to do it you should just capture it and maximize as much content out of it as you can um a lot you might look at some of the stuff we do and be think oh we just do content like 24 hours a day but in reality my episode that's that what I'll it feels like you guys are doing over oh, here totally. too, well we do for other people <laughs> yeah, but yeah, for sure, my sure. stuff specifically it's yeah. just okay if i'm sitting down for an hour i'm already going to be doing that how can i maximize that for us so if i film it that gives us a video to put out a short video to put out if there's like a piece of content um a photo of behind the scenes and a photo quote of something cool that was said or um tag the person i'm with and checking in and just you're just not doing extra stuff. You're just maximizing the stuff you're currently doing. So dope, man. So, uh, all right. And we're almost about to wrap up here, but I mean, I would love for you to maybe kind of leave a couple bars of, of our, our like nuggets just for like any type of medium sized businesses, small businesses that are trying to grow. What's some tactics that they should really start to press play on like immediately, you know, even if it's on their own or whatnot. I mean, what's some things that you would recommend? It depends on the industry I'm in because it, you just got to focus. Okay, you're sales, you sell a product. Um, what is the business? Who's the best client? To, I like to imagine like if you're at a hotel or a, a hotel bar, who's the best person to just come sit down next to you that you can talk to that would like That's help your business? Yeah, yeah. And okay, who's that person? What do they look like? Okay, great. If they're of a certain age and a certain gender, where do they spend their time? Is it Pinterest? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Knowing that and then, okay, great. How can I start creating content that's valuable to them? Not valuable to me or not what I think is valuable to them. Actually either educates them, entertains them, or inspires them. Because if it doesn't do those things, then it's not really for them. It's for you. Right. And if you're able to create that type of value for them, you're going to start creating a brand within them. And that's when things get really powerful, whether it's just asking them questions and getting their opinions on things where you used to spend – thousands of dollars of money into this data research. Now you can just tweet them and say, Hey, what do you guys think of this product? Yes or no. Building this community is more than just getting sales immediately. There's a lot of ways for That's it to a really big switch for like a lot of people. I know there. it's yeah. it. And it's, it's a tough. hard thing to, yeah. to ever grasp. And I think what's scary is the people that 
have built their businesses. They understand what they currently have. The young person that like they know they have to be edgy and try something risky in order to do it. That's why they're going to eat the big guy's lunch is because they're going to be willing to do that stuff. And what's mm-hmm. going to be really sad and scary is when these people become very good digital marketers, but they suck at the actual business, but they're still going to take everyone's clients. Yeah, but they're still going to win. Because they're going to win. Yeah, they're going to win. Yeah. And, it's go- and they're going to be pissed off. The people that are going to lose their business are going to be pissed off because they know they're better. Yeah. But it's who's the best salesperson, the person with the most clients. It doesn't really matter all the other stuff. Like that's that's how you that's how you score the game. Yep. And you're not gonna win the game if you're not getting in front of enough people. And I think that's gonna be a very uh, a, a scary game changer for a lot of people. Dude, dude. I mean, um, that's a that's a that's a really good point, man. Because a lot of people are thinking, okay, how can I harness my actual craft, double down on my strengths, which which is all very good things. But you got to press play on something that's kind of scary or like dangerous yeah. to you as well, right? Definitely. Yeah. I think you just got to keep stepping outside your comfort zone and yeah. and know like if you've done 100 episodes and you still have like no one watching, okay, well then maybe video isn't isn't the best thing. But what you learn along the way is also valuable for other stuff. It's like if you learn how to design websites so you can start your next company and the company fails, well, you still know how to design websites. So right. that's either going to help your next company or you can start a business designing websites. It's There isn't really a zero-sum game where you just lose. It's try stuff, go outside your comfort zone, and just understand that everyone else is very afraid as well. Yeah. So when you are stepping outside of their comfort zone, like they're – they're not judging you. They're a little bit jealous of of you doing that. And they're going to go from saying like, no, you shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't do that to, oh, you're so lucky that you did that. And <laughs> nothing's really going to change. You're just going to smile, but you're just going to, you just got to like be willing to be uncomfortable. Have you seen that happen? Oh, totally. With you already? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I, I, I imagine. Yeah, when yeah. I was buying houses in 2008, 2009, everyone told me I was an idiot. Just straight up. And it was stressful. It was a dangerous time, though. It, it, was, it was, but it was the dangerous. first one yeah. I bought, I bought a house for $67,000, three-bedroom, two-bath in Phoenix. Okay. And when I went to get it insured, it insured for $120,000. And I went to the insurance. I was like, no, I only need it for sixty-seven. dollars He says, if the house burnt down, it would cost $120,000 to build it. Wow. And I said, wait a minute. You I'm buying a house off. for less than what it costs to build? So in my mind, I said, they can't build a new house until all of these are bought again. Like, no one's going to build a house until this goes away. So point. I knew it was going to come back eventually. It would be 30 years or it would be 10. It ended up being less than that. But yeah. it made sense. It just everyone was telling me the wrong thing. But in my mind, I was like, I know this will work, even though everyone was saying it wasn't going to work. And then one day it was like, oh, you're so lucky you bought that house in 2009. And it's like, yeah, I am. Thank you. But you know it's not luck. Dude, man, you know what, man? So that's kind of... You've pretty much taken that same mentality of buying things at, at like discount and you're going doing it right now into like media basically, right? You're yeah. coming in, checking out all that underpriced assets and saying, all right, let me go ahead and jump on this now. It's hundred percent. Wow, it's, it's cheap, right? I, all I know is supply and demand. I, it's, it's like, I'm, it's, it's really that simple. If there's a giant supply of something, then the prices are going to come down. Yeah. And if there's a high demand for something, then the price of it's going to go up. And we're entering this era of... Because of the phones, because of what we can do, we can consume so much more content and we can consume and we can have the choice. We don't sit down and watch TVs with commercials. We watch TVs when we want to on our own time. Nobody's watching. I mean, like, I mean, honestly, like I know nobody. I don't know anybody. Then why are these companies spending billions of dollars making commercials? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, makes it doesn't sense. make sense. But they are. Yeah. And eventually they're not going to be, whether it's 15 years from now or whether it's a couple years from now. But eventually all that money is going to go into digital media and then 
it's going to be that that guy that could be making videos right now and boosting them on Facebook for five bucks a week is going to be a hundred bucks a week or a thousand bucks a week. I can't imagine. I mean, obviously it is coming. We just don't know when. Mm -hmm. But it, but it's just one of those things. Like, um, I mean, I couldn't imagine buying a place that should be worth a hundred thousand dollars and saying, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay one point two for it. You, you, you know, and that's kind of what's that's kind of what it feels like because yeah. nobody's there. I mean, yeah, people are still there. I shouldn't say that. People still watch, but I mean, yeah, that, that's true. Like yeah. everything works. It's just is yeah. it worth the cost? Right. And there's a lot of things that cost way more than they should. Sure. And there's a lot of stuff that is just extremely undervalued that people look down on because of their low cost. I keep saying that we're about to get out of here, but <laughs> one more quick. Two more questions, bro. This is part two of our goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, part two of the whole goodbye, man. I mean, man, so where is the best value right now, hands down to you? So, again, it really depends on, like, who okay. you're trying to true, reach. True, true, true. Because, like, Instagram is still extremely undervalued. But Facebook is extremely undervalued. Yeah. Something like IGTV drops. So Instagram drops TV. So everyone wants to talk about IGTV. But no one really knows what it's going to be yet. Yeah, we, There's not a value there. Yeah, yeah, Meanwhile, yeah. everyone's chasing the next thing. But the stuff that's the, now is still really good and really working. Hmm. Facebook is is the top for a reason. Um, Google is making the most money on their ads because they've developed a lot of these programmatic ads, but that's not where you'd want to be spending your money. Yeah. If you're a small to medium-sized business, it's almost always going to make sense for you to be on Facebook, depending on a few industry changes, maybe LinkedIn over something else or Twitter over something else. But Facebook is is almost like the the... Facebook is what AOL wanted to be when AOL started and then they lost all their leverage. But like Facebook pages are going to replace the website. Yeah. You're not going to Google something, go to their website, get a 1-800 number and then call them for a complaint or to help. You're going to go to the Facebook page. You're going to message them on Messenger and you're going to talk to an AI bot that will solve your problem in three minutes and you're never going to be on hold ever again. And That's once crazy. that happens, everything changes because once you get some free time back, you never want to give it up again. And mm -hmm. that's why like technology goes in the way where it's like, I don't need that. But then once you have it, you never want to give it up. Yeah. And it happens everything. It's just, it's just going to, how it's going to be. Like I look at my daughter who's five years old. She might, I used to think, whoa, she might never have to parallel park a car. Cause like cars park themselves. Well now it's like a couple years later, like she might never own a car. She might never, she might drive, never drive a yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is, and that's like, it's hard to fathom. It's hard to get my mind around how fast things are changing. If you're like, okay, 30 years from now, I can predict what the world might look like. But I don't know what it might look like five years from now. It's like, I don't know when these things are going to happen. Like, maybe we go into like an economic downturn again. Things have been really good for a long time. They've been amazing, actually. They've been amazing. Yeah, and yeah. people that graduated from college three years after me never saw the crisis. They've only seen good stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's why things get a little, like, I don't know, over bubbly sometimes because there's always a new crop of young teenage or young 20 year old kids graduating college who think the world was meant for them and nothing will ever go bad yeah. and then shit goes bad and it's really hard to humble yourself it's, and, it's and build really it back up too though man i mean i'm not sure if you kind of played around with the whole uh, crypto like you know currency movement that was happening for i mean it is still there it's still there yeah it's not it's not going anywhere but it was it was bubbling for a little bit and Man, some of the stories I got to, I could share with you is like just hilarious. It's uh, it was crazy. I, I, it's it it's sad. It, it's scary to me. Yeah. It's really scary to me because there's just in the human nature of wanting things faster than you deserve with less work than you want to put in. And I think everyone falls victim to that. So anytime there's an opportunity for it, it's really hard to say no to it. And 
those types of moments make me nervous. The crypto stuff made me very nervous about uh, people getting into a little bit too much trouble. <laughs> Did you play around at all with no, it? No, not at all. Smart move. Yeah. Man. Smart move. All right, man. It, this is the very last question. I promise. I ask everybody this. I live by this triple G motto. It's called growth, grit, and give. Okay. If you had to put those in order for yourself, how would you do it? In what, like, what am I or what do I believe? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. This is just more so like um, how do you kind of roll basically, like around growth, grit, and giving. How would you put that in like order for your own way of like moving? Um, I would probably say grit, growth, and giving. Okay. Uh, mostly because I of this mentality that um, I think, like I say over and over again, like just get started, get better, and get then don't it. stop. And you, whatever it happens to be. So with grit, it's just kind of like get starting for me. Growing is the keep going, get better. Mm -hmm. And then the giving is when you just don't stop. And I know that if I'm in a better place, I'm able to give more. 100%. Where if I could give someone a dollar now, that's great to have the dollar. But I know that what I could do with that dollar would generate more dollars to allow me to give more later on. And that's a, that's a difficult thing to kind of deal with mentally for me sometimes where it's like, I'd love to, I'd love to get back more, but I also know that if I'm able to generate more in another space, it allows me to give more. And, um, I know that like, that's something like Warren Buffett, for example, deals with, he's playing on giving away all his money when he's dead, yeah. but he doesn't give away much money while he's alive. And he's doing that because he knows that he can just generate so much more value um, doing what he does best. That's a great point, man. Man, you know what? I've really enjoyed having you on the pod. I did too. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this. Nah, man. Seriously, man. So tell everybody how to find you, and then we'll go ahead and sign off, bro. You can Google me. <laughs> I'm pretty easy to find. Skylar Irvine, uh, Twitter, Instagram is a good way to get out to me if you want to talk to me directly. Um, and then, yeah, search Skylar Irvine Podcast wherever you get your podcast if you're interested in more of this stuff. But thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Dude, I loved it, man. We're out. I just want to thank everybody for listening to the full episode. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed it, leave a comment. Reach out to me. Reach out to Skylar, too, man. Big ups to that guy and everything he's doing out there in Phoenix. He's really adding a lot of flavor to it and making it a nice, a nice media hub out there in the middle of the desert. So uh, check him out. I'll have all of his contact information in the show notes. And with that said, I want to thank you so much for listening back to The Real Value Exchange, where the aim is to turn mere sales transactions into empowering moments. Until next time, you guys be great. What up, Anchor family? Welcome back to Joe Lemon Experience. And I want to throw this out to some podcasters um, tuning in on Anchor. It, you know, I'm curious, like, what, what's your idea or your vision for what you're doing with your podcast. I would love to hear any type of voice messages, any type of notes. I would love to just kind of hear where people are taking it. Are you building your own network? Are you looking to have a Joe Button type of play where you get picked up by like one of the major distribution platforms or um, looking for sponsorships? You know, I got my own um, thoughts around what I'm doing and I've been testing and experimenting and just playing around with stuff pretty uh, informally, honestly. It's not like exact science what I'm doing. And honestly, a lot of you guys probably say it's messy, but it's how I go about trying to experience life and trying to see if things are a good fit for me or not. So I'd love to know what you guys are doing with it. In between there, I'm going to share an episode from my other podcast, Real Value Exchange. Check it out with Skylar Irvine from Rizzler Media.